think I've done that a lot in my life, although I have been in therapy and um, I've been on medication before. I really just kind of muddle through and um, it it was really difficult to say, like, I need to come home and I need to figure out why um, this is happening and I need to be able to... I didn't really expect that of myself because I've always been very, like, upfront and I like to be vulnerable, but it was, it was hard to admit. podcast my name is max Aveda. so glad you guys are here guys can you believe this we are at week four this is unbelievable how we've been able to do just to give you guys a quick status update we have been played more than 200 times in 24 different states on five different platforms and i thank you guys so much for all of the incredible support that you guys have given me over the show it's been so so fun these last five episodes and being able to see all the all really sick actually no six episodes my bad these last six episodes and seeing all of you guys react in the way that you have uh but today guys we have actually a really really cool guest today and honestly this might be in my opinion one of the most down to earth one of the most realistic episodes maybe the most that we've had so far on this show so if you're someone who likes uncomfortable conversations likes having those conversations you are in the right spot today because my guest today, my friends, is one of my very good friends. She is currently a leader at Walkabout Camp, which is a camp currently in currently at a camp in camp. Oh my gosh, a camp called Camp Eagle out in Rock Springs, Texas, which is out in the Hill Country. Um, personally, one of the most down to earth people I know, and is an incredible heart for both Christ and worship and mental health. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the program, Miss Lydia. Oh my God, Miss Lydia Mitchell to the program. Lydia, how are you doing today? Awesome. Thank you. Honestly, one of the, so first of all, I want to get this off the bat. So we, just to give like a little bit of a context, we met basically, I would say, first of all, I, we met over social media and I remember this. And I, one of the yeah. things I first remember about this is that back in the day, you actually used to produce covers on social media. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Um, I posted a lot of covers on my Instagram. I actually released a song on SoundCloud, very crappily recorded from when I was like, 14 wow. just me and my ukulele it's one of the worst things i've ever done <laughs> but it is still out there really what was the song called i actually don't remember this <laughs> it was called pushing pedals pushing pedals like song about wow what was it about it was before i it was before i could drive um and i used to go on like bike rides when uh it all felt like it was too much and um it was basically just about like forgetting everything around me and just focusing on pushing the pedals and wow, that's riding crazy. my bike and whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the interesting things. Like, I, de I, I, first of all, when I would think pushing pedals, like for some reason, the first thing I thought of was like rose pedals or like flower pedals yeah. for some reason. Like, I instantly thought about that because I feel like that would just have like a good aesthetic to it. Like, oh, pushing pedals, like that just sounds fun. But like, I would think if it was like about driving, that would probably be a little bit more like you know, grounded and serious, but, um, but no, I, but no, that's really cool. But no, to go back to that, we basically met though, because I remember hearing one of your covers and I'm pretty sure it was a, I'm pretty sure it was Hotel California, I believe was the first cover I heard of yours. And yeah. when I remember when I heard this and I swear to God, guys, I'm not even lying. 
your voice was legit as if someone legit ripped Billie Eilish's soul and threw it in another body. Like I legit was like, <laughs> like I was legit like this is this is Billie Eilish 2.0. And no offense, obviously I know a lot of people have opinions about Billie. I know a lot of people have opinions about her style of music and that sort of thing. But one of the things that you have to admit about her is that her voice is incredibly unique in comparison to the rest of the music industry right now. And that's oh, yeah. what I really noticed from you. Did you really remember like how we first had the conversation necessarily of like how you've necessarily gotten to music or like you were very much, I guess, connected to music from a young age or was like doing covers? Like, was that just like a habit that you, or like a hobby that you wanted to do or was like music actually something that you wanted to do at one point? Um, well, I have always been a very like musical kid. Like I sang all the time. Like I would just sing everything and I loved music, but I didn't learn guitar I wasn't able to like make actual covers until like three or four years ago wow. when I started learning um, ukulele and guitar and I honestly never play my ukulele anymore because the guitar has such a it has such a full deep sound <laughs> and I just uh, I can't stray from it but um, yeah I think it was probably like four years ago but before that I was I was always just enthralled with music even as a kid wow and yeah. i was always singing harmonies and stuff like that yeah and i definitely and that was one of the interesting things also that i think i noticed about you is that you're first of all i i obviously am i, I consider myself a music person myself and you guys if you've been listening to this show so far you probably know that at this point but I think one of the interesting things, though, is and, and this is something that I think if you guys who've listened to the show have noticed in every single person we've had, every single person we've had on this show has a completely different musical taste, has a completely different idea of what they view as music, what they consider good music. And I obviously have my own taste. I'm pretty sure I basically explained that at this point. But you're definitely one of those who definitely have more of those unique tastes because obviously we've had... You know, we've had people on the show who very much value the greatness of worship and very much put that at the priority of what is good music. We've had people say, yeah. you know, we've had people on the show, you know, talk about how, um, you know, hip hop and pop in this new generation of basically what we consider now the mainstream is really trying to necessarily push music forward, but in many ways has also in many ways put music back necessarily, or at least given music a setback on what is necessarily considered mainstream music. But you're necessarily not really in either of those fields solely because you're very much someone who definitely likes to find stuff that isn't necessarily as covered. So necessarily talk about that. What is what is it necessarily like trying to push or trying to necessarily promote artists like yourself, I guess, who don't necessarily get as much coverage? Yeah, I um, I mean, so in like high school, I was definitely one of those kids who like tried to gatekeep and I wanted to listen to uh, music that nobody else knew and I wanted to be unique and all that but um, through that like I really sought out the music that said something like um, because a lot of a lot of pop culture I think a lot of artists are are growing out of the stereotypical like every song is about a party or a girl or whatever and a lot more people are making music that is about real experiences and it's um like actually relatable and it is actually meant to like speak to you and so i think um for a long time i've really just sought out music that like either it's like musically like complicated or really beautiful or like uh, they brought in a string instrument not crying or like the lyrics are really well put together but um and that's 
what I look for in like worship too, because mm-hmm. I I grew up listening to like just Christian radio and stuff like that. But um, I really I seek out the kind of worship music that like sounds like heaven or sounds like talking to God or yeah. God talking to me. Right, exactly. And I think you know, and we talked about this also um, with one of the greatest worship music people that I know and Hannah Nelson, who was on episode four, if you guys remember that. And we were necessarily talking about how Christian music necessarily is very much currently in a divide. We're necessarily half of Christian music now at this point is basically giant choir, giant selective, giant opera, where it basically feels yeah. like where you were basically were talking about, where it basically, when you hear those eight minute, nine minute, 10 minute, 11 minute songs, it feels like you're legit like in a room of a thousand people and it's legit like this like if you're wearing headphones like it feels like you're immersed in the music you're immersed in the sound you're immersed in the lyrics and then obviously the other half of christian music is obviously what we consider pop christian music which is obviously people considered like you consider jordan Feliz and torin wells and mercy me and third day and all these other artists that we've considered part of christian music but i wouldn't necessarily talk to you about that do you necessarily and i talked with henna about this as well do you necessarily have a preference i guess when it comes to Christian music that you necessarily connect to, especially with the rise of collectives like Elevation, like Maverick City, like other collective groups that have tried to basically put their own stamp on what they believe worship and Christian music should be. Yeah, I definitely, um, I think I'm more drawn to like, uh, like live versions of worship songs where you can hear like a crowd of people, like um, just, immersed in praise like it's um i'm definitely a lot more drawn to that but i think recently i've been learning to appreciate the more kind of like poppy christian music because um a lot of times i didn't like it because i um it was like too happy <laughs> right i was like why is everybody so happy like all of these songs are so happy and like i didn't I didn't feel that a lot. And, um, so I was like, I can't relate to this. This is dumb. But um, I've been learning a lot about, like, the joy of the Lord. And it's like, that's why, that's why everybody's so happy, because they have Jesus. Like, duh. That's like the whole point of it. But, right. yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, honestly, we can really sometimes forget as Christians, honestly, when we have incredible struggles throughout our lives, when we have things in our lives where we definitely feel like we can't, we can't overcome something where we can't let go of something. We can't let go of someone maybe. And I think when we have those kinds of things, it can be really easy to like what you said, lose that feeling of utter joy and utter happiness. That is just being someone who believes and worships in Christ. And I think, you know, and I want to necessarily talk about that because what necessarily, and I don't, and you can go in depth necessarily if you want to, but when necessarily recently have you necessarily tried where, where you necessarily have felt like where you've gone from this utter moment of joy and this utter moment of praise, and then you've had to necessarily realize that, oh, wait, kind of like what you're saying about poppy Christian music, oh, wait, it's not just all happy. It's not just all, like, everything. Not, it's not like everything is just all praise and happiness when it comes to living, with, and loving, to living in Christ. There's also struggles that come with that. What necessarily experiences recently have you necessarily had through that? Um, I think... A big thing was um, being in the walkabout program that I'm in right now. And um, it's the closest that I've been with the Lord uh, in my entire life because I've never been very consistent. I've never been very good at um, 
like daily devotion or reaching out to God. Um, but I was the closest, I am the closest I have ever been with the Lord. And still for the first two and a half of these, two and a half months of this program, I was having panic attacks every day. And so with that, I kind of had to, I don't know, it was a very, it was a very confusing time because like I had this, because I had this idea that if I'm close with God, everything will be okay. And I'll, I'll have trust in everything will be okay. Like I can, I can trust with him if I'm close with him, but I wasn't trusting in him. I was, I was getting a lot closer to him and, uh, spending time with God, but I wasn't really, I wasn't really trusting him. And I was releasing the rest of the day to whatever came my way. Like I wasn't like really dwelling in the spirit. Um, and yeah, like I've learned a lot about surrender, but also that sometimes it's a thorn in my side situation. Like I just have to push through and remember that, like, his grace is sufficient for me, even when, like, I don't feel it. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I I, I, I definitely agree with that. I also, I also agree kind of like what you were talking about just now, where you were very much like, it can be really necessarily easy to where we feel like, you know, like, especially in those camp environments where we can talk about, you know, surrendering, you can talk about like that kind of an action, which obviously is an incredible thing. Um, and we could be like, yes, I'm going to surrender my life to God. Yes, this is this is the day where everything changes. And I think that there are a lot of us who obviously, you know, go 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 from those camps, go back home, and then nothing changes. And either yeah. that, and either that can be our, and most of the time, that is of I wouldn't I wouldn't say our own fault, but that wouldn't necessarily be of our let. It would be the the thing we would necessarily have to blame is our own effort. And the lack of effort yeah. that we necessarily put into that and the lack of effort and actually realizing, oh, wait, actually surrendering is actually hard. That's not something I want to do because I want to keep going on the easy track of life that I've been on. So because of that, I'm not going to surrender. And I think that's one of right. the things that I think we've necessarily seen, I think, a lot, especially in our current culture. And I think, you know, and I want to necessarily talk to you about that because I think one of the things that I've obviously known about you for a very long time is that you're someone who is who's who's going to tell people like it is, regardless if you know them well or, or not. And I think yeah. you're and I really want to talk to you about this because this what you went through of those two and a half months is obviously something that obviously we would all struggle with if we were in your shoes. But having to go through that and also necessarily still remit and still and tell people like, and not like, I don't want to say lie to people, but not necessarily tell people like, oh, it's okay. I'm doing great. But like, actually tell people, guys, no, I'm not okay. Like what necessarily gave you the confidence, I guess, to like, what, what was the, what was, what did God necessarily give you? You think that gave you the confidence to be like, I am not okay. I actually, I, I need, I need to step down. Like I need to take a break. Yeah. Um, I think it was, um, because I was really just dealing with it and I was just kind of like letting the panic attacks pass and then um there was one day where I had a really bad panic attack and I was holding my breath and I fell over while we were like cleaning out some of the rooms and I went back to my cabin and um our walkabout director the director of the program he um came and talked to me with um our discipleship leaders 
and he was like asking me questions and um was like do you do you feel safe and it took me a lot of it, it took a lot to say like no I, I really am not safe and I really am not doing as well as I say I am and um it was then that they were like we want to get you home so you can figure this out and it was really rough to um actually really fully address it because I was just I was just letting it happen and I think I've done that a lot in my life although I have been in therapy and um I've been on medication before I really just kind of muddle through and um it it was really difficult to say like I need to come home and I need to figure out why um this is happening and I need to be able to manage it better um right which yeah, I didn't really expect that of myself because I've always been very like upfront and I like to be vulnerable, but it was it was hard to admit. Right. Definitely. And I would and I would think so because if you're in that environment where you feel like this is something that you've needed, this is something that's benefiting you, this is something that's mm-hmm. giving you an opportunity to talk to God in a much more open way, then how then then do you feel like then why I, I don't wanna say I don't wanna ask I, I guess why also, but what necessarily do you feel like was holding you back in that scenario? Because if you have been in this environment for two months or two and a half months, basically, where you feel like you were more connected, you were more vulnerable to the Lord, you feel like you could share as much as you wanted. But then in that moment, because of the joy that that brought you, that led you to being like content and led you to questioning necessarily, you know, should I leave? Should I not leave? Because if I leave, then I'm leaving this incredible environment. But if I don't leave, then or or if I don't leave, then I'm possibly putting other people in danger. Like what is necessarily, like, how did you necessarily go about that thinking process of linking? Like, you know, God, I've been incredibly vulnerable. Like I've, these last two months have been absolutely incredible, but like, I, I need, I need to, I need to find another way. Like I need to, I need to find another path in order for me to continue to continue to live in the life, the the way you want me to, you know? So how, how have you, how have you been able to try to answer that? Um, well, um, the big reason, like, that I didn't address it is so walkabout is a very it's a very difficult program. Um, every day is pretty full. It's a combination of like actually working at the camp and serving others, and then we have like um, biblical classes. And every month we go on a trip, and the last trip was thirty five miles on a mountain. And so like it's it's a hard program. Um, but it's very, it's very rewarding. And I think one thing I was telling myself, I was like, I know God wants me here. So like, why, why would he put me in a situation where I feel like I need to go home? And so for a while, I was like, I know God wants me here. So like, I'll just, I'll just survive and it'll be fine. Um, but just answer like I will I, survive, like just in your earphones or something. Yeah, like, I'll, just, I'll survive. It'll be fine. Um, but like, yes, yes, God wants me there, and um, I will be going back after Thanksgiving. But um, He wants me there in the right way, and I think um, a lot of me was not there in the right way. Like I was there for the right mm-hmm. reason because I know I knew God wanted me there, and I had prayed about it. But I wasn't in. Um, the right place and I wasn't um, pursuing God in the right way so I think when um, 
I was able to come home and be like, okay, God wants me home <laughs> for now. Right. And I can go back and I can do it right. And it doesn't have to be like um, running myself ragged physically right. and mentally. Um, yeah, I d- yeah. Yeah. And also, and this is also, I think, kind of something important, I think, also to point out is the fact that in necessarily trying to figure that out and like you said, now that you've had this time, do you think now that you're now, like you said, you're going back after Thanksgiving, how confident are you now in yourself and how confident are you in yourself that you're now actually going to deliver and or I'm not saying you're actually going to deliver because I'm assuming you have been over the last few months, but like, like how confident are you in yourself right now and how confident are you that God is putting you back on track to being like, okay, you, you can now come back. Like, how confident are you now, in that sense, having this time off? Well, I did, um, I did go back for, like, I think it was, it was just barely over a week. I think I was there for maybe nine days. Um, and so, uh, it was a little bit of working at camp, and then, um, we went on to Enchanted Rock, which was a very laid-back trip. It wasn't some super intense backpacking thing that we have been Enchanted doing. Enchanted Rock, if you've never been to Texas, Enchanted Rock is like actually like a really beautiful place. Like, for real. It is, it is so wonderful. Um, and we did a lot of climbing. Um, and I, um, being back at camp, I put, I think, less responsibility on myself to be okay and um like whenever I was I think I had maybe maybe two while I was there um which is a lot better than every day (laughs) (laughs) but when it when it did come I was looking in the right place and um when I was feeling down I was like oh I I need to like turn on a worship song. Like I need to turn my eyes to the Lord because I'm just like a big thing that I've struggled with for a long time is just like sinking into despair and just letting whatever bad thing is happening, make me feel like garbage. Um, and, um, when I refocused, I felt a lot better and a lot more joy. So I am, I'm kind of (laughs) confident, um, I think, I, I I think God is going to um, make this a, a blessing. Like I I really think He's going to come through in this. So I'm trusting, and I'm a little afraid. But um, Walkabout has also become like a second home to me. So I yeah. know I'm safe to kind of uh, stumble my way through a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and I think, honestly, that's so beautiful. And I think, um, and I want to, like, quickly, lastly touch about this before we move on. Um, What do you necessarily, to the people who are listening right now who are necessarily in, I don't want to say similar situations because I don't think a lot of people are working in rigorous camps as you are right now. But when it comes to the similar situations of what you're talking about, of having panic attacks, of feeling like you're more confident in your relationship with the Lord more than ever, and then feeling like, wait, where is that confidence getting me? Because clearly that confidence isn't getting me anywhere because I'm having these panic attacks still. Yeah. What do you say to people who are necessarily still in that scenario? Maybe it's not panic attacks. Maybe it's still, maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's relationship anxiety. Maybe it's something that you can't let go. What do you necessarily have to say to people about, or I guess in, I guess in practice of trying to necessarily, if they're, and I guess going through that struggle right now, 
What do you have to say to them at this point? I think anxiety is is really hard to like. Um, it's really hard. Um, I um, have have scared myself uh, so many times in a lot of the panic attacks that I've had because I can't be logical with myself. Like I can't put reason to whatever's running around in my head, and so. I think that's a lot of a lot of times why it can be so scary and so overwhelming because your mind is running 100 miles an hour and all you can do is overthink. And even though, like, if you were putting logic to it, like, you have um, you have reason to believe the good, but you're spiraling and thinking about the bad. And it's so it's really hard to break out of that. And sometimes you just you just spiral for a while. And sometimes it's um, it's a, I'm going to trust in you, God, even though like, it's not getting better and it feels like it's not going to get better. Sometimes it's just, it's just, you have to trust. And then sometimes you can, um, find refuge in the Lord because, um, I'm not going to say that every time I've opened my Bible or turned on a worship song or prayed that I felt immediate relief or that, um, everything is okay or, um, even bearable. There have been times that I like scream at God because like I, um, sometimes he doesn't answer and sometimes, um, or you don't feel like he, answers. You, yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes it feels like he doesn't answer or it doesn't feel like he's a refuge. Um, even though that's, that's who he is. That's the heart of God. Like he's a protector and he's peace. Um, he's the Prince of peace, but, um, sometimes you can't feel it. And, um, it's never, it's never your fault. And it doesn't mean that God's not listening or that he's not there. It just means you just have to be patient. Um, and I've been learning a lot about like listening to God because, um, I can talk for forever, but God has so much more to say and whatever he has to say to me is way more important than what I have to say to him. Um, and so sometimes you have to find a way to be quiet and listen. Mm-hmm. And it's in those moments that I felt like the most peace is when I, I sit and I, and I let him do his thing, you know? Wow. That's really beautiful. That's really crazy. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's one of the things, I think that's definitely a great place we can necessarily top off that conversation because I think for the people who are listening, I feel like, you should at least, I feel, some sense of relatability through our conversation, I think. And having, you know, and having these kind of conversations should not be as uncomfortable as you may think they are. But the fact is, is that having these conversations are important. Having these conversations are authentic and the things that we need more, especially in an environment like the Christian church. And uh, yeah. But jumping off of that point um, and going to a completely different topic, uh, we're recording this episode about a week in advance. Um, and obviously a lot's been happening around the world. Lots of, been, lots of stuff has been happening, but, um, but yesterday, my friends, uh, was the 2022 Grammy nominations. And as someone who is a personal music fan myself, I, I, I don't want to say I lost it, but I feel like I was in a state of like, I feel I couldn't stop smiling for like a solid two hours because like, there was like the amount of like positivity that like came out of this. And the reason why is for many reasons, firstly, from the worship side of things, I mean, my goodness, like the, the, the clear 
thing that I think what we're seeing, I think, I or I guess I saw, I guess, from the Recording Academy is very much, wow. Like, the Recording Academy is, like, very much fully embraced this collective, choir, new kind of age that is currently now blossoming right now in gospel music. And the reason why I say that is because Maverick City Music got nominated five for five Grammys. Um, and it's kind of crazy that all of that happened, especially with a lot of their collaborators also getting nominations. Like, for example... In the best gospel performance in the best gospel performance slash song category, Dante Bowie, who is personally one of the biggest members of Maverick City Music, was nominated for three different projects. <laughs> so see it, so he alone has a 60% chance to win a Grammy in one category for three different songs. So he could win, he could win a Grammy on either three. Like, so the first one being Voice of God, which was personally a song that I loved when it came out about seven, eight months ago. And then obviously Wait On You, which is a song that he obviously did with Collective and Elevation and all those guys. Um, obviously, best comp best contemporary Christian music performance. If Jaira doesn't win the award, I don't. I feel like I would probably have to riot because I feel like Jaira <laughs> has completely ex exceeded all of our expectations at this point for how far oh, it's yeah. necessarily gone. Um, I think also um, the rise in necessarily of how uh, C.C. Winanes has basically come back on the map. I know a lot of people know C.C. Winanes is like this old classic gospel performer, kind of like Kirk Franklin, who's been around for so long, and they've basically been kind of like the faces of their genre for so long. Um, I'm so glad that they're back. And then going to the mainstream, I guess, first of all, this is going to be incredibly competitive. This is the, the, this album of the year category, I think, is maybe the most competitive, com competitive album of the year category that I think I've seen. And I've watched the Grammys, I think, for like, I, I've watched the Grammys intensely for about the last five, six years. And to have album of the year be Gaga versus Bieber versus Doge Cat versus Billie Eilish versus Olivia Rodrigo versus Taylor Swift versus Kanye is, in my opinion, one of the biggest, like, the, those seven, eight people are basically now the current faces of music. And the fact that they are basically now all could basically win. They all have virtual arguments to win album of the year. But I want to get necessarily your thoughts on this, Lydia, if you can. Firstly, going back to what we were talking, what I was just talking about, what are your thoughts necessarily on, I guess, the Recording Academy necessarily leaning towards what gospel Christian music has been this last year, which has been the collectives and the choirs really leading the charge? I think it's amazing that it's getting a lot more recognition. Um, and I, I mean, I am, I'm a sucker for the collective kind of worship. So, um, the more, the more of that, uh, that is out there, uh, the happier I am because I, <laughs> I, I mean, Jaira has been on repeat for, for us. those, they're all such incredible worship artists and, mm -hmm. um, they brought so much to, um, worship as a whole like yeah it's just very exciting yeah i think so too i i am very very excited to see where this is necessarily going to go especially with the fact that you know it's not obviously full of collectives and worship categories you know tornwell still got a couple nominations um obviously uh where's another one that i also saw uh obviously kari Job got a nomination for best contemporary christian music album and kari Job has had a huge year this year um uh, and then i want to necessarily go into the mainstream side of this lydia Obviously, the mainstream has obviously, like what I was talking about at the very beginning of the episode, the mainstream necessarily idea of music is very much expanding and broadening more and more and more. I mean, like, for example, for the first time in Grammy history, we have now a category called Best Melodic Rap Performance. What the heck is melodic rap? I don't know. 
But like, I don't even know what melodic rap is. Um, but one of the things I do know is that, like I said, music is, especially in the mainstream, is it continuing to expand. And obviously each of these people necessarily have an argument. I don't, I, I don't want to say, I, I want to ask, I, I will actually, you know what? I am going to ask for your opinion because obviously I'm going to go through them really quickly one by one. Obviously, Bieber has had, I would say, not necessarily a huge year because I feel like his album Justice has very much been like slowly under the radar. And besides Peaches, nothing really else has like skyrocketed to the top of the charts really at this point. Um, and then obviously, Eilish very much with her sophomore album, not as close to anywhere as big as her debut. And, but personally, I would think, and I know a lot of people are going to outrage me when I say this because I know. A lot of people think I'm a Kanye fan because I am. And I know a lot of people think I'm going to pick him to win the album of the year, which he should. But the truth is, I actually personally think album of the year should go to Olivia Rodrigo. I really do. And I think the reason I say that is because, first of all, this is a, I know I said this about Billie Eilish two years ago, but it's not the point. This is a 17-year-old kid we're talking about. This is a 17-year-old kid who, by the way, is the first person in Grammy history to have a record of the year nomination where she is the only songwriter, no collaborators. She legit wrote this song like 15, 16 in her basement about breaking up with some guy. And now she, it it like, and that honestly is so inspiring to so many songwriters all across the country who feel like that they can't make it if they just do it by themselves and who feel like they can't make it unless they have connections to the industry and that sort of thing. I want to necessarily get your response on this because obviously just to give you a quick context of like who the nominations are, um, obviously, Justice by Justin Bieber, uh, Doja Cat's Planet Her, Billie Eilish is Happier Than Ever, um, Lil Nas X somehow got nominated for Album of the Year. I don't necessarily know why, because he's not really a pop artist, but um, yeah. Olivia Rodrigo Sour, Evermore by Taylor Swift, and then obviously Donda. Um, but Ness- what album, I guess, out of those, I guess, has necessarily stood out to you the most, I guess, if you can, if you can make a pick, necessarily? Um, well, I do... Uh... I, I do really love Olivia Rodrigo's album and like props to her because being 17 and having a full album out like that, like, um, I think, um, she's so talented. Um, and, uh, I love that. It's just, it's just a bunch of breakup songs. Like, I love it. Like <laughs> she, she said, you know what? I'm going to write an entire album about one guy and they're all going to be bangers and they're all bangers. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I really love her album. Um, and I also, I like, um, happier than ever. Um, cause Billie Eilish, like her voice has influenced some of how like my voice has grown through the years because she's very, um, like she has a very soft voice. Um, and, and so when she does like belt or gets loud, like it's very, it's very impressive and kind of surprising. But, um, uh, I think that that album is her kind of breaking out of people's expectations of her. Right. Um, and, um, I think, I think she's like 18 or 19. Yeah. She's 19. And basically, yeah. and I know a lot of people are saying this, but, and I, and I don't, I don't, and I don't want to necessarily compare Alex and Rodrigo in this sense, because I know this is the second time in three years where we've had a 17 year old get nominated for album of the year, record of the year, song of the year, and best new artist all in the same year. But in many ways, you also have to necessarily point that in that direction because, and you also have to see really how diversely they came from because Billie Eilish 
is someone who came from very much of a underground background, kind of like what you were talking about, these underground indie artists who legit just lived in LA with her younger brother, or sorry, not younger, older brother, who obviously is Phineas, who obviously is a well-known producer and artist himself. And then Olivia, no offense to all of you Disney fans out here, is comes from the Mickey Mouse machine. And she basically yeah. came out of the Mickey Mouse machine like Selena Gomez, like Miley Cyrus, and basically is now having her say, and like, actually, no, not like Grande. Why am I saying Grande? <laughs> but, uh, but no, but you understand what I'm saying. But like that, they both came from like very necessarily different backgrounds. And here they are now both having this very similar success where obviously Billie Eilish swept every single category. I don't expect that to happen with Rodrigo because of just how competitive the field is this year. But right. I, but, but I really do think she has a shot just because she's really much, I, I, she's very much owned this year when it comes to not only dominating the charts, but very much influencing what music has been like in this last year and influencing what yeah. artists are going to be like further on from that, kind of like what Billie did two years ago with her debut album. So, um, yeah. like, see, it's so actually kind of crazy because I know, when, and this is something that for some reason I look up, I, I look at this sometimes and I sometimes scratch my head uh, because one of the first things, like, when I was, like, really fascinated in music, like, in the beginning, was I would look at Rolling Stones' top 500 greatest songs of all time and first of all, the list is like really messed up. There's a lot of part pieces of the list that are really messed up. Like according to Rolling Stone, the greatest song of all time is Respect by Aretha Franklin, which is no disrespect. An amazing song and a song that's influenced like basically like the genre of soul itself. But when we have people like Bohemian Rhapsody in the conversation, when we have things like Thriller in the conversation, when, yeah. we have things, when we have, you know, those kind of songs in the conversation, no disrespect to having a woman being considered the artist of the greatest song of all time. But like... I, it, the competition in many ways is very interesting in that sense. And I think, you know, having those kind of conversations is important. But um, moving on from that, I did want to do, do obviously something that we've had on nearly every single episode at this point. We didn't do it on the first two, but we love having this game on the show. And this game is called Flashing Lights. First of all, it was very difficult <laughs> trying to find something that what we could do for flashing lights. Um, but I think I found something that I think not only you are very much good at, but I think also a lot of people who listen to this show um, are very knowledgeable of. So, Lydia, you're a very big fan of The Office. That's correct? Yes. How, 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 how big of a fan are we talking here? How, 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 how big, how, how, how many times have we, like, gone through and, like, go, th like, because what is it, nine seasons of the show? I believe it's nine seasons. Right? Yeah. Um, I've watched it all the way through at least, like, I think, like, three times, probably, like, all the way through, but, um, I, um, bounce around and, like, watch different episodes and, like, different seasons, like, all the time. Like, that was my comfort show for, like, a couple years until it got taken off Netflix because Netflix, uh, loves to torture us. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, it was, like, but I would play in the background while I was doing something like if I was bored I would probably turn on The Office or like if I was feeling really overwhelmed I would turn on an episode of The Office because it was familiar and comfortable yeah but for real yeah, like that, that's that's I one of those things like, where I'd say yeah but you're a big fan of The Office so I have a few yeah. questions here um and we're gonna see how much you necessarily know about The Office and this is and these are very specific questions okay these are very specific questions they're all necessarily multiple choice um, but I wanted to see, like, necessarily your knowledge of them. So we're going to see how well you do. Okay, so we're going to get started in three, two, one, go. Flash. In season one, how what does Michael pretend to fire Pam over? 
Um, stealing uh, sticky notes and paper clips. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. All right, question number two. Flash. What's Pam's favorite color of yogurt? Mixed berry. Mixed berry. That is correct. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. Flash. Michael, when he was young, what did the foreign exchange student take from Michael back to what was formerly Yugoslavia? All right. If you, if you, if you don't know, here are the three options. All of his blue jeans, all of his shorts, or his favorite shoes? I think all of his blue jeans. That's correct. That is correct. All right. Let's go. All right. All right. Here we go. All right. So finish this quote from Dwight when he was asking Michael questions after being offered the spare room in Michael's new condo. Here's the quote. Question. My grandparents left me a large number of blank. Dressers, couches, or uh, armiores. Armiores? I don't even know how to pronounce this word. It's A R M O I R E S. Armiores? I have no idea. But it's either that or dresses, or dressers, or couches. Armoires. Question My grandparents left me a large number of blank. Armiores, I think. That is correct. Uh, <laughs> that is correct. All right, no, question number five. Fashion. What's Phyllis's maiden name? Vance, Lappin, or Lanpin? Lappin. That's correct. Oh my goodness. Let's go. All right. All right. All right. We're going to do three more. What does Michael ask Pam to spread on his foot that he burned on a George Foreman grill? Butter. That's correct. That is correct. Oh my God. All right. Two more. What does Kevin suggest Dwight put in his gun holster? A cell phone, a banana, or a toy gun? A banana. That is correct. All right. Last question. At Phyllis and Bob Vance's wedding, what did Michael say everyone called Phyllis back in high school? Four eyes, Phil, or Easy Rider? Easy Rider. <laughs> Let's go. That's correct. Oh, my gosh. That was flashing lights, guys. Wow. That, that was incredible. I think I may have witnessed something in history, and clearly, if you are, and clearly, if you're someone who is a fan of The Office, you must be clearly amazed. Or if you did guess all those questions right, um, good for you. Um, good for you. But are you surprised that you got some of those right? Because I feel like you were like guessing on a couple of them. Yeah, a couple of them were Yeah, that actually, because here's the thing, that's actually one of the few episodes of The Office that I remember, so I actually, that was one of the few yeah. where I actually knew the correct answer, so, they were like, especially the quote one, like, that was like, there was one that I feel like I definitely would not have gotten right, um, but, uh, but that, oh my gosh, that is so crazy, but, um, and anyway, however, uh, last thing before you go, um, first of all, Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has obviously been super, super fun. And for all of you who have definitely been, and for all of you who have, I think, connections with worship and connections with mental health, um, you definitely can find Lydia and you can definitely be able to talk to her. So Lydia, quickly drop your social media and top your contacts, please, for the people out there in the world. Three O's? Is that is that misspelled? Is that why? Three O's. Yeah, because the, the tattooed lady was taken. Lydia the tattooed lady was taken. So wow. with tattooed lady with three O's. Yeah. That, that is a massive rep. Well, Lydia, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. Obviously, we are seven episodes in, guys. Like, we are killing it right now. And we are so much of season one left. Um, you guys are not going to want to miss it. I'll see you guys Friday. Peace out and tone! Go down, down, down. This is a new town, town, town. This is a new 10, 10, 10. I'm going in, in, in. Here I go on a new trip. Here I go, I get too lit. Here I go, I get too rich. 
chick And I know what the truth is Still playing out the two kids It's a lot to digest When your life always moving Architecture digest But I need a home improvement 